Welcome to another episode of Don't Butcher It, an intersectional self-help podcast for the underdog. I'm your host, Upasna Barath, and today I am going to be very vulnerable, <laughs> which is not new on this podcast, so strap in, I guess. You know that feeling you get when you think back on something you did that you don't feel so good about upon reflection or you just you don't feel good about overall when you think about how you used to be at one specific point in your life and you're like, ah, who was that person? Specifically when that something you did or when who you were in that period of your life makes you feel almost resentful towards yourself? If you have, then great, because today's episode is about that feeling. Or, I mean, it's based off of it, at least. And it's also about a lot more. (laughs) Earlier in 2020, my ex-boyfriend, and my first boyfriend ever, passed away. We dated in high school for three years. I hadn't thought about him in a long time, except to reflect on how much I'd changed since dating him, because when we were together, I'm not so proud of who I was when we were together. On first inclination, I'm like super mad at myself for behaving in a certain way, and on the other hand, I understand that trauma leads us to be and act in certain ways, but it doesn't excuse how we act or who we choose to be because of it. I just think back to those days and I can't help but cringe (laughs) and be disappointed in myself. I'm sure everyone was like, I feel like most people were shitty in high school and not everyone was a great teenager. I mean, I also just want to give myself a really big hug because I was in a lot of pain during that period of my life. I'd moved from Chennai, India to Memphis, Tennessee in the USA, (laughs) and I had been in India for about four and a half years, and readjusting to American society was not easy. It was so hard, and I think a lot of baggage came with me when I came back, and I think that reflected a lot in my relationships. Let's just call him G. G and I met when we were 15 years old, and we were like immediately super in love. You know the drill, puppy love. (laughs) We adored each other. Um, We met near the end of my sophomore year, and the first couple of months of our relationship took place over summer break. A couple of months later after summer break, though, he broke up with me, and I wouldn't let him. And by that, I mean I did everything in my power to make him stay. Yeah, that sounds like really just horrible to say out loud, honestly. But I have to say it because it's true. That's the type of, you know, that's how I was back then. And I thought that's, that's what you did. I thought fighting for love was a thing. I didn't realize that it's not love if 
Two people are constantly hurting each other and hurting themselves, too. My efforts sort of worked, I guess. Um, He stayed, and although our relationship was on and off for three years, it was like every time we broke up, we just knew we would get back together. That sort of thing, just really not stable. And I don't know, I had just grown deeply attached to him. I didn't have very many friends in high school, and the ones I did have, I quickly lost. And he just made me feel seen and validated and loved. But also, truthfully, oftentimes, he made me really angry. And it felt like I could never do anything to make him love me the way I needed him to. Our relationship was toxic. My friend said something to me about dating in high school that really struck me because it's something that my mom used to say to me as a kid. My friend said that it would be better if people waited until they were 18 to start dating romantically because when you're a teenager, you're getting older, so you're starting to understand the world a lot differently. Um, You really get a sense of your intuition and you just start building um, this understanding of life. It's really hard when you date someone because you can just sort of like throw your trauma onto the other person. You're so invested in the relationship that you don't really understand why you do the things you do. You just know that you feel them. And I'm not trying to like say this is a bad thing at all. I think this is like one of the most beautiful things about being a teenager is that um, feeling things for the first time and being able to articulate those feelings and put them in a context. For me, it also meant a lot of volatile feelings. And I think also for G, um, he also had a lot of volatile feelings as a result of his trauma. And we just, you know, threw it on each other. We were emotionally abusive to one another. We played games with each other constantly, trying to gain power over one another. Um, Rather than break up and go our separate ways, it was just, for some reason, it just felt so much easier to stay in each other's lives in in that way, in a way that wasn't, wasn't good for us, that was actually detrimental to us. That seemed more easy and more comfortable than just leaving each other's lives. This went on, like I said, on and off for about three years. I said and I did things I'm not proud of, and when I went to college, we still talked, but I slowly began to push G away as I settled into college life. I went to college in a completely different state um, than where I went to high school, so it was like, all right, (laughs) I have this like out of sight, out of mind sort of attitude Um, And I had a new life, one where I was able to make and keep friends, one where I was learning more about what healthy relationships looked like. I made the memories of the relationship and who I used to be evaporate along with G. And then he died. And I realized nothing ever evaporated. Nothing disappeared. I chose to actively ignore really difficult memories. I couldn't handle them. But also, I couldn't deal with um, the consequence of getting older and getting more mature, which is um, sometimes feeling shame about, about who you were or what you did when you were younger. A door had been reopened. Everything horrible I ever said or did to G came crashing back into my life almost like I had only been that person yesterday 
events or people I hadn't thought of for years, thought patterns I had grown out of, the innumerable fights G and I had that I'd forgotten about were floating around in my mind, keeping as strong of a hold during that grieving process as it had in my teenage mind, all of it. I had to face a reality I refused to confront and process years earlier. It definitely didn't help that people from high school started following me on Instagram like we had unfollowed each other or something at some point and now they're following me again. You know, this one guy from high school kept messaging me and asking me how G died. Like people, I think, had remembered us and our relationship and honestly, it was publicly publicly tumultuous and up and down everyone knew we were on and off and that we were arguing always and that he was doing this and I was doing that and people witnessed our arguments people witnessed me getting really angry so then when all of this was happening on social media I was like wow okay some I that all happened it happened it happened and I tried to forget that it ever happened and I tried to distance myself from it because it was too painful to think about. I had to face a reality I refused to confront and process years earlier. Over the years, I had grown to be more and more ashamed and guilty about who I was in high school. Hell, honestly, even the first two years of college, <laughs> that eventually I spent a lot of time trying to perfect um, how I treated others at the expense of honoring my my needs oftentimes and, and perfect being a human being, which sounds so ridiculous uh, now that I say that out loud. But honestly, that's what I was like do, thinking at the time. I was like, okay, just learn these communication skills and remember this and remember this. And, you know, I did a full 180. And honestly, I think this is when my people-pleasing tendencies really started to kick in full force. But also... Uh, realizing I needed to be better encouraged me to listen to feedback from friends, go to therapy, learn more about my values and needs. The thing is, throughout all of this, I failed to process certain parts of my past because I was so ashamed of myself. And the shame caused me to disassociate from my past self and, in a way, disown a part of myself. You know, that was a period in my life that I would describe as confusing, difficult, juvenile, dark, and I just wanted to forget it ever happened. So when I had an intrusive thought about high school Upasana, I'd shut it down. G's death destructed this illusion I'd created for myself, the illusion that when someone decides to change, they can leave who they used to be behind and pretend that person was someone else. And as I grieved him, I grieved this past version of Upasna I'd taught myself to detest. Because even if she wasn't great, even if she was, you know, I would describe her as, you know, abusive, manipulative, mean, needy, that, that she was me. She, she's a part of me. She is me. That is me. And I would also describe that Upasana as someone who was caring and loving, affectionate, funny. I was not all bad. No one is ever all bad. I began to realize that despite my attempts to disassociate from my past self and invest in being a more healthy, authentic, and kind person, 
the process of evolving was kind of half-assed because I never took accountability for how I treated G. I may have apologized to him, but I never took accountability for myself. I never confronted who I was. So, like, one day, I guess, I just woke up and I saw her, and then I was like, I don't want to say hello, so I shut the door, and now she's, like, pounding at my door. Separate from what G did to me, I still hurt him in many ways. And this is not to say I should shit on myself or hate myself, but rather that I should just forgive myself. And the only way to do that is by stopping the disassociation, accepting that high school Upasna is still Upasna, and not hating her, but embracing her, because I wouldn't be who I am today if I wasn't that person first. Have you seen Shane Dawson's YouTube apology video? Also, for those of you who don't know, Shane Dawson is a YouTuber. And for those of you who do know, you're probably wondering which apology video I'm talking about. I mean the one he posted eight months ago called Taking Accountability. This is what, I'm recording this in March, by the way, so I don't know when you're going to hear this, but <laughs> this is what he said in his video to apologize for his past racist and pedophiliac behaviors and comments. So I'm going to start with all the racism that I put onto the internet as a adult, not a child. I was at least 20 when I started YouTube and I made the decision to play stereotypes of black people or Asian people or Mexicans or uh, pretty much every race. I made that decision. I said, oh, this is funny. And I put it on the internet. Now, years later, I look back at that and and I've talked about this before, but I, when I say I hate that person, I mean it in the most intense way possible. I hate that person so much. That person was filled with sadness, filled with anger about their own issues, uh, in the closet, constantly uh, projecting on others. Just like, I don't know, just that, that person is someone who I don't like seeing. And I think that's why I've been avoiding this because I'm like, no, I already apologize. I don't want to go back. I don't want to see it again. I don't want to see it. Uh, mute it on Twitter. Uh, Untag it on my Instagram. Like, I just don't. I hate that person. So do you hear how he says, I hate that person? How he analyzes and, and sees his past self as if it were someone else? I just feel like it's easy. It, this is just an example of how it's so much easier to not take accountability um, full accountability, this is like a little loophole because it you can feel the shame and guilt, but you don't really feel it um, when you put it on that like this other entity that is supposedly you also. Um, and it's like it's almost like we're disowning a part of ourself when we say like we refer to who like us in the past as a different person. Not, that doesn't actually help us learn from our mistakes or push us to be better. Hating on your past self is just another form of not taking accountability for who you are as a person. Um, and also just like not embracing who you are as a person. That like is very much capable of doing fucked up things. Also, I'm not saying that I'm excusing personally, excusing Shane Dawson. I... I th th it, that That is not the conversation we're having here, just so you know. I was using his statement as an example of you know not taking accountability because what you did in your past is absolutely a part of who you are 
Um, and in fact, embracing that and acknowledging that actually helps you grow as a person um, who can learn, who can be better. So it's important to practice self-acceptance. And when you when you take accountability, you're doing that, you're practicing that. Versus trying to distance yourself from your past mistakes and deluding yourself into believing that, oh yeah, that was someone else who did that. <laughs> I don't know her. Plus, I think we have a right to honor all parts of ourselves because this is our life and it's fucking messy. Um, so I have this little exercise that I do when I get an intrusive thought about something shitty I did in my past. Um, also, like, most of the time, it's something that, like, not a lot of people will remember, but, like, I'm like, oh, we're having a good day. My anxiety is like, what's up? Think about this thing that you did that was really bad and embarrassing. <laughs> well, what I do is I, um, pretend that someone that I admire, um, or someone that I like did that thing, and then they came and told me, and they were like, oh my gosh, like, blah, 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 I did this thing, and then I practice, like, in my head, I kind of come up with an idea of, like, what I would say to them. And then I just say that back to myself. <laughs> I'm being kind to myself. I'm giving myself the grace that I'd give my friend, you know? Because I know that what I did isn't, like, immoral. It was human. I didn't murder. I didn't steal. And, yeah, I actually may have lied. There were a couple of instances where... I am angry at myself for making up a lie, but that's a very human thing. Humans lie all the time. We have the ability to do that. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it's good, but we slip up. We do stupid shit. We do foolish shit. I think life should involve taking a moment to reflect on your mistakes and how you've grown since then and what you're doing like, in your mind to commit to being a better person. Embracing our mistakes, specifically the ones that caused harm to others, helps us be better people. It helps generate self-love because it forces us to face ourselves. And then the only way after that is, is forgiveness. You know, sometimes you can get stuck in the in-between phase, which can be really, really dark. Um, however, if you are going to confront yourself, I feel like the eventual destination should be forgiveness. You know, taking accountability is so important. And although facing our past can be difficult, let alone embracing it, acknowledging that it happened and that's a part of you makes the art of being a human so much easier in the long run. I don't know what the long run is. I'll be honest. I'm I'm freaking 20. I'm turning 24 this year. But I find this. <laughs> I'm like talking like I'm like 80 years old. I just find so much comfort in knowing that when my brain is being like when I'm being mean to myself or when my brain is filling my head with with the bad memories, I can just be like, this is okay. This is, it's okay. This is a part of it. This is the whole rub. This is life. I'm meant to mess up. And so I can also work to figure out why I did what I did so it doesn't happen again or in that way again. Acknowledging that I was an emotionally abusive partner means confronting what made me emotionally abusive, understanding why I felt the need to do that, gaining so much more of an understanding of myself. 
The truth is we aren't perfect, which means we can cause harm to others inadvertently and on purpose because we have insecurities, we have trauma, sometimes we get angry, sometimes we, we don't even see just how bad we're being. As we grow, we can reflect on how we've treated others and in accepting how we've done so, we can learn how to treat ourselves better and we can learn to treat others better too. And when we inevitably hurt someone again because... <laughs> We will, you will, I will, humans do hurt each other, it happens, and it's a part of life, and we must accept it while also not letting it become a part of our natural state at all times. <laughs> when we inevitably hurt someone again, we'll have an easier time taking accountability and learning from our mistakes. I feel like there is an infinite number of ways to hurt someone, an infinite number of ways to mess up, and enough space in our brains for tons of not-so-fun memories about ourselves. But there is only one of us, and we've got to make sure the person we are now, in this moment, a person that is collectively all the things they've done and all the things they can do and all the things they embrace about themselves, we've just got to make sure that person is someone we're proud of. Well, that's all I have for you today. Thanks for listening. You can follow updates on this podcast on Twitter at Don't Butcher It. And, you know, if you want to leave a review on your streaming platform of choice, please do so. I encourage them, especially if they're kind and constructive. <laughs> okay, peace out. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you on the next episode, hopefully.